Amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated this morning. Thank you. Praise the Lord. We see some absent this morning for different reasons, and we pray that all things work good for them. We notice that Canada's online this morning, so we welcome them into the service. And our visitors, we're glad that you're here for the purpose that God only knows, and we pray that each one will get something out of the service today. Uh, we're looking at a very unique subject. We actually preach a principle. We repeat it. We go over it. We water it again, and we let it sit there until it produces life. Amen. We keep watering it and watering it and watering it, go over a little more, a little more, a little more, and as the word comes, then the Lord waters it, and it grows into a revelation. And it all ends up into the rapture. That's our subject, because we're looking at the word being made flesh. And the end product of, from Jesus, his ministry, his resurrection, all through the seven church ages to this morning... All of it culminated together brings forth the rapture. The whole New Testament is about one product, and that's the rapture, and then the kingdom of God carries us on out into eternity. Uh, remember, we have a baptismal service this morning after service. Uh, Sister Jill is going to be baptized. So we'll cut the service a little bit short, try to watch the time. And uh, next Sunday, we shall be in Canada. I think it's next Sunday. We shall be in Canada, minister from there. And I hope that's not an excuse for you to miss because this is a part by part. Uh, if you miss the ra uh, revelation of the rapture, you missed it all. Let's just, let's just face it. If it all ends up, you go to church all your life, pay the tithes all your life. Play the message all your life, play tapes in your home all your life, and miss the revelation of the rapture, you've missed it all. And the odd thing about it is, there's nothing, no work of your own, no conduct of your own, no deed of your own that could cause you to get the revelation. Many people preach that if my conduct is good enough, and I keep enough commandments, and I keep the rules, that will qualify me to be in the rapture. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Because there'd be a lot of good people that had a lot better conduct and love and all these things that will not make the rapture. The rapture is a predestinated understanding to a group of people that is on the Lamb's book of life. And no matter how sincere the people are, they'll have their place, but they will, the understanding of it will be veiled to their eyes and they will not be a part of it. Now, that doesn't put them out, pro or con, but we are believing that we are elected and we're asking the presence of God to anoint our understanding and open our minds and hearts and give us a confession that we believe because the only way that you're going to be a part of the rapture is accept it and receive it as one man give it to you. Now, the one man is where everybody blinks out. Because everybody thinks, well, I can work and I can get in on my own. John represented the bride in the uh, book of Revelation. The church world does not want to believe that one man can represent all of us. And you're represented always by one individual at a time. Every age was represented by one man. 
when they receive their representation, which was the message of the hour, by receiving that man, they become a part of the body or a part of the word, and was basically in the rapture process. Now we're down to the end of the promise that after it's all gathered, there must come a resurrection. How many believes in a resurrection? There comes a resurrection, and that resurrection process puts us in a different form physically. We call it from mortal to immortality. Whatever that change is, it puts us in a form that we can transcend dimensions and meet the Lord in another dimension at the marriage supper of the Lamb. That is necessary for us to miss the tribulation. So most people go to church to escape the judgment. There is an escape. There is a rapture of the church. Because it's promised in the Bible, but it must be revealed to you. It is a revelation, and the prophet keeps stressing that over and over again. So what this morning, in our study of the Word made flesh, and we'll see how it comes down to the rapture process, when the Word takes preeminence in you and I for the resurrection, that means that our will has gone somewhere, and His will has taken control of us. If God has to take preeminence in us before the resurrection, what is that preeminence that controls you? It's not a law. It is a revelation of the rapture that controls you. Preeminence is revelation, and the end product is the rapture. So I'm maintaining, according to my study understanding, that the preeminence in the bride is a revelation of the rapture and will place her in the same condition of mind that Abraham was in, that he staggered not at the promise of God. In other words, we will go in a rapture. And we will be caught away out of the judgments that should come upon the earth. And when we get to that part, when we come back in the second coming of Jesus with us, we will absolutely bring judgments upon the earth. And we shall smite the nations with the word of God. And we will be the product of the ashes that we walk out upon the ashes of the wicked. And set up the kingdom that we call the millennial reign. Alright, and we'll get to that as we go down. So we're going to continue last week before we was at on the notes. And we're going to look back to the scripture. Because I've always maintained that there's one set of scripture in the Old Testament that unlocks the New Testament. And that is Psalms 110, 1 to 6. That whole chapter basically unlocks who Jesus is and sets forth a promise that not only will it bring a revelation of who Jesus is, but it brings a revelation of a promise of what God will do to put all things under his feet. And the last thing to be put under his feet is death. So there's what we're looking at. So Psalms 110, 1. If we'll read it this morning, there's the principle that working from the Lord said unto my Lord. Now we can go through the theology of it, but the Lord there is a word for Elohim, meaning God Almighty. Adane, which means God Almighty, the Lord, the one God, Elohim, self-existent one, said unto my Lord. That word Lord refers to a man, refers to a being. He is a ruler or a king. He is subordinate to the Lord, which is God. This Lord, we know according to Jesus himself, according to the Apostle Paul, Peter on the day of Pentecost, 
and Paul, all the church age, including Brother Branham, brought it out that the Lord here says that that Lord was Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one. Jesus used this scripture himself when he was questioned about who he was. And he used this scripture. He said, well, the Bible said, the Lord said unto my Lord, set thee on my right hand. Who was he speaking of? And David called him Lord. And he was referring to himself. And the Bible said they asked him questions no longer. It is a mystery understanding. Because of the theology of the oneness of the Godhead and the trinity of the Godhead and our two-ness. It is a revelation of one God. And we can teach months and months on the Godhead. But we're looking here. Let's just call it the Spirit God and His physical manifestation or physical form that we call Jesus the Messiah, the King, our bridegroom, the second man. So when we talk about Jesus, I'm talking about the man. When we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, you're talking about God in His offices as He portrayed Himself in a veil. One God who is spirit. How many understands that? One God who is spirit. And the whole Bible is talking about that one God who is spirit. And He is Lord of the old. He manifests Himself through Jesus. And He is the Christ of the Holy Ghost. And He is Lord Jesus Christ. That's the reason we baptize in the name of the Lord. Now, which Lord? Lord God Almighty, who was Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins with the promise that we shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I was reading in the church age right before I come out, Brother Bantam said, anybody baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost for it is a promise unto you out of the Word of God. So we want to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost is one way to do it. Get a revelation of who Jesus was, and He was God manifesting in the flesh, revealing the Lord God Himself. Be baptized in His name, Lord Jesus Christ, and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, whereby you can receive a revelation of the Spirit God. Amen. Outside of that, there is no revelation. All right, so we're looking at Psalms 110.1. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand. In other words, sit thou on my throne. Until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Now that is a promise that must be fulfilled before the rapture. So we're looking at this morning conditions for the rapture. Are you following me now? Conditions for the rapture. The word rapture is not in the Bible, as we said. The rapture means to be caught away. So we're looking at conditions before we are caught away. How can you be caught away? Repeat over and over. Because the resurrection brings an anointing that does something to our bodies that we can be caught away by the Lord Himself. All right. Also in Revelation 3.21. Now, I've been criticized, and we went over and over. Most people said, Brother Gregory, believes in two lords. The Lord said unto my Lord. I believe exactly what this scripture states, exactly how is it interpreted by the prophet. God said unto Jesus, his son, set thou on my throne until I make all thy enemies thy footstool. Now, make a long story short. He said in souls in prison, when the seal was open, that the, Jesus climbed up on the Father's throne and sat down at the opening of the seven seals. The one on the throne, 
In Revelation chapter 4 and 5, takes the open book, comes down here to earth with the open book in his hand to Revelation 10, 7, that we believe to be a prophet. To fulfill this promise, sit thou on my throne until I go down and make all thine enemies thy footstool. In other words, he's going to subdue everything, bring a resurrection, and present the New Testament bride to Jesus as a trophy of interceding for 2,000 years as our kinsman redeemer. All right. So in Revelation 3.21, it says, To him that overcometh. Now that's us in this hour. And to overcome, we will make the rapture. Will I grant to sit with me in my throne? Everybody say, my throne. Now you've got to watch the he's and the him's and the my's and the them's. And figure out which one we're talking about. Brother Branham will say Jesus. You've got to figure out which Jesus is he talking about. He says, Lord, which Lord is he referring to? Paul does the same thing. Who are they referring to as he and him? You say, well, you're trying to make two gods. No, we're looking at the he and the him. To him that overcometh. That him means you and I or anyone that overcomes. Will I grant to sit down with me in my throne? Now, I believe this is the man, Jesus, doing the speaking here. Or he is the one in Psalms 110, 1, the Lord said unto my Lord. This is my Lord that he's speaking about. And my Lord says that him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I overcome. Now what did he overcome? He overcome in the garden of Gethsemane. He took sin. He became sin for you and I. He went to hell for our sin being sin. He took our sins upon him. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. But he prevailed in the garden of Gethsemane. He overcome. He said, I can call 10,000 angels to come and intercede. But it would deliver to him. But it would put us into everlasting sin and judgment. He paid the price for my and your sin. God raised him from the lower regions. And justified us freely with him at his resurrection. Even as I overcome death, hell, and the grave. And am set down with my father in his throne. So no matter how you slice English. There is a Lord sent to my Lord. One of them has a throne. And the other has a throne. One of them's thrones in heaven. One throne is here on earth. At the end of the thousand years, both thrones come down to the earth in New Jerusalem. And the throne of God sits here in the New Jerusalem or the heavenly city. And God's throne will finally be here on earth in the New Jerusalem. But until that takes place, in the millennium, Jesus Christ will have a throne. And he will be king of this earth for 1,000 years and you and I will be here as his subjects, ruling and reigning with him. What a promise. So it looks like we're talking about a he and a him. Not in, to get into the Godhead, but I'm speaking about Jesus, the Spirit God, and the created Son of God in physical form. Let's call him the man. Let's keep it real simple. The Father with his Spirit, Jesus in physical, that we will call the Son of God. Amen. It's following me so far. So we got a father, and you got a son. You say, well, they're both one. 
We're going to separate them as father and son. One is spirit, one is physical, that you can keep up with the plan of God. One will always remain spirit as a father. This one will always remain physical as a son. Well, I thought there's only one God. Sometimes they're supposed to evaporate and come back to one. One will always be the son. One will always be the father. We will always be sons and daughters. So that means we got a father. And our father is God. Then our father must be the same God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in the last lesson, we begin to look at the order. Now, when you get into an order, you get, you have a, let's see, in other words, you have a perception or a chance, I'll put it that way, to go into error. Because when you start finding and looking at an order, by seeing order, and somehow you think, if I can see the order, I must be all right. But we're going to look at this morning, what good if you know all the order and miss the revelation of the rapture? Well, it got awful quiet. See, So we want to look this morning and begin to trace up where we're at. Because if it's a revelation, it must be happening now. Because if I wait to uh, say, well, I thought there was going to be a rapture, like the prophet said. He said, we'll move along here. And people say, all of a sudden, they'll say, well, I thought there was supposed to be a rapture. Well, why wouldn't condition exist that you know there was a rapture? He said, I thought there was going to be a rapture, and a voice will say, there was one, and you missed it. Well, how did they miss it? There was a revelation that was missed. That when the condition of the squeeze and whatever more takes place, they don't have a revelation of what's going on, knowing who they are to be a part of it. You've got to know, like Abraham knew, that you're a part of this rapture. And it is a revelation to you. All right. So we're going to speak on the conditions for the rapture. The point being is that the rapture is not, everybody say not. It is not the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, if we can get that in there. Even in the followers of the message now, who can get theology straightened out just a little bit, we'll get an easier understanding. The rapture is not the second coming of Jesus Christ. The second coming of Jesus Christ, as we said before, is Revelation 19, where he comes back on white horses, and we are then considered his army. And the Bible said in Psalms 110, 6 and Revelation 19 that we're going to come back and we're going to smite the kings and we're going to kill the peoples of the nations and smite them. And the wrath of Almighty God or the wrath of the Lamb will be brought about by the second coming of Jesus with us, his bride. In other words, as I said three weeks ago, we're going to come back and we're going to look at them eyeball to eyeball and we're going to destroy them by the word of our mouth. You said, I don't understand. I thought the tribulation was supposed to wipe them out and da-da-da. We're going to walk back out and play fiddles in the millennium. Everything's going to be rosy. The two prophets are killed in the streets of Jerusalem. How many knows that? Who is rejoicing? Who's going on? Who's watching them on TV? Who's witnessing that around the world? There's people in order and government still going on. 
America may be in smoke by Russia bombing us. But the world is still going on. They're still inhabitants. They're still worshiping. There's still politics going on. And then they go up by the band and say, we come back, Revelation 19, on white horses to bring judgment upon the nations of those that have rejected the revelation of the rapture. The rapture ends it up, period. All right. So we're looking at that final ending up. So we're looking at the conditions for the rapture. We're not looking now at the second coming of Jesus, which comes in to the wrath of the Lamb, revelation of the vials, and all those things after the two prophets. We're not that far yet. We're looking at the rapture. All right. We're looking at the second coming, or that would be the second coming, as we looked at last week, where it says in Acts 1, that Jesus in his physical form was caught up in the clouds, and everyone witnessed and they said, why are you looking at this one going up? For he, this one that goes up, shall also return in like manner as you see him go. So the physical body went up, caught up in the clouds. He will come back with a cloud of witnesses, which will be the bride, his mighty army in Revelation 19. When we get to it, we're going to find out that there's three raptures in the Old Testament. There's three raptures in the New Testament. We're looking at this one pertaining to us. Because we know that the two witnesses, they die, resurrect, and are raptured. We're not looking at that one. We're looking at you and I being caught up or raptured, caught up in another dimension, in a different form, to miss the judgment of God that's taking place here on earth by two prophets. Well, I don't like prophets. You won't like these two either. Because they're going to bring judgments upon the earth. They're going to stone the great whore and her systems. Every person on earth outside of 144,000 is going to hate their guts to the point that they're going to kill them. So Moses and Elijah has an appointment with death. Amen. You say, well, I thought they was immortal. And he believes that God can change you from mortal to immortality. If he can change you from mortal to immortality, he can change you back from immortality back to mortality. Oh, our God wouldn't do that. Well, you take that up with him. Moses and Elijah come back and they die. So they're either there in the atmosphere being mortal and come back or that they're immortal, come back to mortal and die. One way or the other, they come back and are killed. Now, all you great theologians out there in La La Land, y'all can spend the next year trying to figure that out. I'm going to try to figure out how to get out of here, then we'll figure this out when we get back. Now, the prophet makes this statement. I don't know, Daniel, if you can put the quotes up there, but it's easier if they can read it right on time. prophet makes this statement. Let's see what message this is in. Works is faith expressed. Now, remember, I'll make the statement, and I'll make it again if you miss. The rapture is the last doctrinal important message that Brother Brown preached. You say, well, the last sermon he preached was this morning. The last doctrinal message that had anything to do with his ministry or the rapture to end up his ministry was preached in the rapture sermon. That climax, his whole ministry was the rapture. That's what he come for. That sermon climaxed it. Without the rapture sermon, we'll still be wondering what's going on. All right. So with that in mind, let's read here before. Now he's preparing now, getting ready for his last doctrinal sermon and he told us every piece must be in its order. So when we look at Christ, the mystery of God revealed, invisible union, 
All these things have taken preeminence in us. All these are a part and a condition for the rapture or for us to be in a condition for the resurrection. So these sermons that we're looking for is a necessity for us to be in a right condition for the rapture. Let me just follow me now. So what is the condition that we need to be in for this catching away? And he makes this statement right here in front of us. Watch. Uh, I, I kept you real late last night, which um, he did. He said, I was thinking about tonight preaching on a subject of the rapture. I don't know why, and we'll ask him one day, why he always referred to the greatest subject in the Bible as that subject of the rapture. It sounds like by reading it, it's just, uh, oh, well, I need something to preach on, so I'll just pick up, preach on the rapture. And the rapture is the most important element, and that's the reason for his own ministry. His whole ministry was for the rapture. Then why did he refer to it? Why did he refer to it, this great mystery or my greatest sermon or my capstone? Or why didn't he put it? He just said, well, I, I want to look at uh, this subject of the rapture. Because the subject of the rapture is so confused and confusing to the people that everyone, including those that was following him at that time, did not have the revelation of the rapture. Because that mystery had not been brought forth to us, which was the seventh seal, which was the understanding of the perusia or the presence of God himself, which was the condition for the rapture. What is the rapture? Being caught away. Rapture, being caught away. What is the condition that we must be in to be caught away? All right. I want to preach on the subject of the rapture to the church. Now, how the conditions, as I see it in the scripture. Now watch, and even the rapture, I'm going to preach on this real strange sermon. As I see it, and he's the only one that sees it like he sees it. Yeah, I've got a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. Because I believe that he represented me, what he saw. God vindicated. So what he saw, I believe. You say, well, that's just blind faith. Well, what other kind of faith do you want? One-eyed faith or two-eyed faith? Or what kind of faith do you want? I just take what he said and I believe it. Well, what if it's not right? I'm off on some la-la land just like all the rest of them. Okay. As I see it in the scripture. Now, number one, what, the, what conditions the church will have to be in for the rapture? Number one. I don't label it myself. Number one, what conditions the church will have to be in for the rapture? Number two, what will take place just before the rapture takes place? What is rapture? Being caught away. What must come before being caught away? Resurrection. So there's got to be a resurrection before you're caught away. So what kind of condition must we be in when the rapture takes place to be caught away? See? And number three, how it will take place. And everybody in mind go, ooh, 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 secret, secret. And he's been telling you how it's been taking place for 20 years. Over and over and over and over again. Watch one. And we all believe in the rapture, in the rapture, don't we? See, we believe in it. And then all at once, watch we said, then all at once something said, pray for the sick. So God did not allow him to speak on the rapture at this time. Why? He had to preach, works is faith expressed first. Then he has to preach, 
Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Then he can preach the rapture. All right. Here in the rapture message, he says what? In the book of Psalms, I want to notice just a phrasing. I want to speak on a real strange subject tonight. He calls it subject in several places. So what is the subject? The rapture. What is the revelation that we're trying to get a revelation of? The rapture. So what subject should our mind be on? The rapture. When I listen to these sermons after the opening of the seven seals, what is the subject that he's pointing to in every sermon? The rapture. What is the subject that he is here visibly manifesting? The rapture. What is the subject of the perusia of Christ, or the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout? The rapture. Everything from the seals opening, even from the time that the voice said in the, on the river in June 1933, as John the Baptist forerun my first coming, watch the comings now, so shall your message forerun my second coming. Second coming. That's Revelation 19. That is not 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. That is not the message of the hour. That's not Brother Brown's message. His message is a different coming of the Lord said unto my Lord. The second coming is the Lord sitting on the right hand. This coming is when the Lord has spoke to him what he was going to do. He comes down to fulfill the promise that he makes to Jesus his son. The Lord said unto my Lord, you sit on my throne, and I'm going to go down and put all your enemies, denominationalism, Trinitarianism, oneness doctrine, everything else, I'm going to put it all under your feet, and the last enemy I'm going to conquer is death. What does that mean? He's going to bring a resurrection while he was here. If the last enemy he puts under his feet after he comes down is death, he's got to give us a revelation to conquer the resurrection or to bring a resurrection. Then that revelation absolutely conquers death for us also. Because whatever he does when he comes down, brings the sleeping saints up, it also puts us in a condition to be changed with them. To go up with them at the marriage supper. Alright, so this is the subject. Watch. I want to speak on the subject of the rapture. So he's calling it the subject. Now, in lesson 18, we pointed out the difference between the second coming. And I keep stressing it over and over. Because when you can see the difference between the physical and the spiritual, the picture is very easy. Watch. The difference between the second coming of Jesus and the physical body form in Revelation 19 and the appearing is called an appearing or an a coming of the Lord God Himself in 1 Thessalonians 4 16, where it says, The Lord descends from heaven with a shout, which is a message. The Lord Himself descends from heaven. Which Lord is that? Don't think two gods, let's follow the scripture. Which Lord is that? Is that the Lord that's on the right hand, or is that the Lord that's doing the speaking? It's God Himself. Remember, the Lord God Himself will descend. First Thessalonians 4, 16, that Lord there is God Himself. Revelation 10, 1, 
the sand of the open book, that's God himself. Where's Jesus at this time? Out of sight, behind the throne, we call on the mercy seat, or make an intercession for our confession. At the opening of the seven seals, when the Lamb said, who is worthy to take the book? He said, no man. We find a drama. Here come one out behind the throne. The Lamb is worthy to take the book, which is the man. He looses the seals, hands it to the spirit or the form on the throne, Revelation 5. He climbs up on the Father's throne and sits down. Now then the Lord said to my Lord, you sit here on my throne until I go down and put, make all thine enemies for the last 2,000 years your footstool. In other words, I'm going to go down and bring you a body so you can come back because all judgment is given unto the Son to make war with the tribes of this earth. Come on now. So this is a picture. Everything I've said this morning has already been fulfilled. Now what we're going to look at, then what good is it to you if it's already been done for you to know it? Or will it do any good to you at all? I'm telling you in the, by the scripture that this revelation is predestinated to a predestinated people. I don't know who they are. I may not be one of them. But it's to a predestinated people and they will get it and they will see it. And that revelation is what will take them. It's not their conduct. It's not this. It's not that. It's not this. It is a revelation by predestination that places you in this rapture. You mean all these good people that all this all more works and whatever more. You mean they all they believe the they're not going. They're not going if they're not predestinated to be in this portion. And everything they're doing which is wonderful and we should do it as human beings. But that does not qualify me for this. You say well I understand what you're saying. Then you got a good indication that you may be predestinated to hear it. Because 99% of the people will not even sit and listen to it being taught. And as I said before, look around and watch the people that hears the key points of Revelation and those that misses it. And then wonder why they never get anywhere. Now we've had people that's regular. They miss two or three sermons, most essential. They'll drop back in when you move on. And they say, oh, I don't know what he's saying. I don't know. You will never know. You will never know until you get your mind in order right. Ask God to sincerely lead you and get out and pray for revelation more than anything else. Because without God's anointing, you will not get it. I'm not begging you to come to God. You couldn't come to God if you wanted to if God's not calling you. I'm talking about an end time group that's going in a rapture. All the Father comes to me, he will draw. If the Father don't draw, Brother Ben said, he that's got a will, let him come. But you've got to have a will to come. Where does that will to come come from? It comes from a gene of God, your soul, that was there when you were born. How many understands that? Then where and when are we going to get rid of this satanic humility that says, Well, I'm not worthy and I'm not this... I'm, when are we going to stand up and say, I am what God says I am? Amen. He says that I am the very righteousness of God amen. by no works of my own, but by the grace of Almighty God. I say, amen. I believe that. Amen. 
You stand justified before me. You never done it in the first place. I never laid one sin to your charge. Why? Because you're a part of me and I predestinated you for this test before the foundation of the world. You are my sons and daughters and I'm here revealing who you are and what you are. And now, if you'll believe it, I'll give to you this great promise. I say, hallelujah, that's a bargain. He had to put Abraham to sleep to get him to get it. I think that's the reason why we sleep through it so we won't intervene about it. I always wonder why you're preaching on Revelation and everybody's sleeping through it. I either say God's got to get them out of the way to get them there or they're smarter than I am one. I've traveled 500 miles to hear a man preach on the third pool in the Son of Man to try to get a little information inside with God. And now you can sit here in any subject you want. We can pound on it and pound on it and pound on it and pound on it. It's just like water on a duck's back. We're either in or it's over. We're either in or it's over. We're either waiting on somebody else or it's over. All right. So here we're looking at it. Now, we looked last week and also, and we repeat it again. The coming of the Lord and the appearing of the Lord is two different events. Can you say Amen. End time evangelism. Now we have already seen or are witnessing the appearing of the Lord. Appearing of who? The Lord. Which Lord? Which Lord have we seen? The Lord said unto my Lord? Or have we seen the Lord in Revelation 19? We've seen 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. The pillar of fire. The Logos. Revelation 10, 1. 1 Thessalonians 4. Come down and he had a voice here, which was Revelation 10, 7. The prophet was the voice of the Spirit, God. The prophet was the sign. The voice was God. Now we're receiving the voice of the sign. Everybody said the prophet, the prophet, the prophet. That was the sign. But what about the voice? The voice is what the Holy Spirit said through the mouthpiece of a vessel that we could hear and understand by. You say, well, you're trying to make something out of the man. Only the channel that God used to fulfill his word. I don't care if his name was Bill Jones or Jones Bill. It was, it's not just Brother Branham. It, could be, it was John the Baptist because uh, God said call him John. That was specific. This could have been anybody. This could have been Bill Jones, Bill Smith, whatever more. It happened to be Brother Branham. I'm glad it was him instead of me. Come on. Oh, I'd like to do that. No, I wouldn't want to do that. Why? Because he got down, put in a harness. He couldn't do one thing on his own. He was in a pipe, a straight jacket. We don't like that. We don't even like a preacher to tell us what we should do and shouldn't do. What about God getting a hold of you where you can't even think your own thoughts, do your own actions, go where you want to go, eat what you want to eat or nothing else? But remember, when you get this revelation, God takes preeminence in you. Preeminence means my am your will and your will is gone. All right, then the, see how important the revelation has to be? He said, now, appearing and coming is two different words. Lord, anybody should know that, but they don't, still don't get it. To appear and then to come. There had to be an appearing, then there's going to be a coming. The appearing has already took place. And the appearing takes place to get us ready 
to go to the marriage supper for the coming. What I'm trying to get us to see is how do we get from this poor state that we're in to an immortal state to come back with him in Revelation 19 to have a sword in our hand, the word in our mouth, and destroy all these serpent seed out here. I like Beto O'Rourke. You know what? I love him. I hope he gets voted in. Praise God. You say, oh, that idiot. Oh, don't, we don't call him idiot. I can get arrested for that. Don't, don't say that. This great politician with an idea. I pray that it gets in. Taxes all the churches. Because if I don't preach and marry homosexuals, we can't be called a church to close it down. I believe, I hope they do. Why? Because Brother Bram said they'll take our churches and make storehouses out of them, lock it up where you can't have church, you'll be gathering together. That's just one step closer to my change. Ooh, 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 ooh. It's going to hurt. No, it's not going to hurt because every time I see something, yep, yep, yep. I know the next yep is I'm gone out of here. Don't you understand that we got to reach a point? We're waiting for that to catch up with us. I believe, honestly believe, that we're already sitting here in a rapture revelation, already shut in with the anointing. You can't convince me of nothing else. I won't listen to nothing else. I can't swallow nothing else. I cannot be pregnant with nothing else. And I watch out here for that to catch up, moving closer, 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 closer. I said, come on, boy. Come on, boy. Come on. Not, ooh, 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 no, 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 no. I want to be 115 before it happens. I'm old enough now. I've gone as far as I can go. When I was 30, I said, wait a little longer, Lord. I'm, I got, I'm full of vinegar. Praise God. I'm to now, I can't even hardly walk. I said, come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. Get me out of here. <laughs> I know you young people. I know life, what life. I love life. I would, if God's going to tear you, it gives me good health, good strength. I can live 25 more years and prosper me twice as much as he had before. Just love life. But it's not going to happen that way. But if we get a Democrat in, and I pray, not really pray, I don't know, my human body says, oh no, not that minutes. But if we get a Democrat in here, praise God, we can shout hallelujah because I believe the rapture will take place in less than, what, 16 months, two, six months or whatever. We're out of here. We're gone. Hallelujah. It's caught up. It's caught up. You and I have already caught up. Do you remember this morning? Listen, I, I'm out the rapture means he's going faster than we are. Brother Branham brought us the revelation in the cycle. It's faster. We, we looked at it. We couldn't get it. We couldn't get it. Here now, 50 years down the road, man, we've been climbing faster. We've been catching up. We've been, he got to an end out here. He preached the rapture. He was done. We're trying to catch up. Catch up. Brother, I'm almost caught up to the rapture. I'm where he stopped. We have caught up to where he was. Then he's going to take us up because we got to catch up to be caught up. And God said he will speed our understanding up just a little. He will slow that dimension down just a little because we can't run fast enough to catch up. He will slow it down just a little. What does he mean? He will slow the understanding down to where we can't see any farther, can't see any farther. He slows it down to where I can finally catch up to where I need to get to. Rapture. 
rapture. If I get caught up to where he was in this sermon, I will be caught up. Amen. Amen. Can you say praise the Lord? Lord. This is the evidence of the Holy Ghost. We don't look like much. There is nothing out here in the physical realm. There is nothing physical that you can put on or do that will give any evidence that you are this predestinated bride that's going to be caught up. And matter of fact, I begin to, in the last couple of years, I begin to take this total separation from all these churches. All this criticism, all Brother Gregor preaches two gods, he preaches two lords, he preaches this, he preaches that. I begin to take that as a badge of honor. Because the prophet said, if you get this revelation and preach it like I preach it, everybody will separate from you. They will not fellowship with you. They will scoff at your teaching. They will scoff at your doctrine. They will put you out of their churches, and they have done so. If I am wrong in my doctrine, I would be accepted in 98% of the churches in the world. Why shouldn't I be? Why shouldn't I be accepted if I'm in error? If I'm in error, I know all the other systems, all the other churches in error. Why wouldn't I be accepted? The devil wouldn't care. They wouldn't give. He wouldn't care if you're off a little here and this guy's off a little here. Hey, we can fellowship. Call. If you don't get on my off a little, I won't get on your off a little, and we'll all get along together. Oh, I shouldn't go down that. What's my subject? The rapture. Let's stay on this subject. The rapture. Rapture and appearing is two different words, two different events. How many can agree with? That? All right. So we'll continue in this direction, as I got any notes this morning. For we do understand that most people want to know the chronology of things to happen that will bring them up to a point. And what I'm trying to tell you is that the sermon, the rapture, is the point of chronology that everything is being led up to. There is no more to preach to the bride after this sermon or the rapture. Because once you get to the resurrection, there is no place that you can go. Tell me where you can go beyond the resurrection. Oh, I can get in millennial. Okay, go ahead. But you can't go anywhere beyond what we're calling resurrection and being caught away. Now what if you are here and the resurrection takes place and you are not the word in flesh and the revelation of the rapture is not your preeminent understanding. You will not see or know The resurrection took place and is over. You won't have a clue outside of you'll start seeing two prophets show up, California drop off in the ocean, the sixth seal opening, and the disaster starting in. And then you'll say, well, I thought this was supposed to be a rapture and get us out of this mess. And then all of a sudden, that spirit will be lifted and you said, I missed it. I missed the revelation. 
because I was so fixed in my Pentecostal mindset of how it's supposed to be and my legalism that I couldn't take the grace of God for the rapture. This rapture revelation is a, to a secret, special little group of people by predestination. Whew. All this world I hear called the church, which is whatever more, they will go through the tribulation and be killed. They will die by the literal thousands. They will kill every confessed Christian on earth thinking that they're getting the bride. And the bride will have been taken out of the way into a secret place and they won't even know she's gone. They won't even know she's gone. John Hagee will still be preaching. We've got three and a half years of tribulation. Then we'll go into rapture. Then there's another three and a half for them guys that don't believe my message. You said, they, surely they should know that they're in the tribulation. What if you've been preached to all your life that you have to go through the tribulation? They preach that you have to go through the tribulation. So if you're going through the tribulation, you think, oh boy, if I can just make it through this, if I can get me a cave, if I can uh, build me some food here to last three and a half years, I can walk out on the other side. Why do you think they're building these bunkers and houses underground? What more? It's because of the way the preachers preach the rapture. They're trying to survive the tribulation to be a part of the kingdom of God. Because that's the way that they have been taught. But the scripture tells me, according to a vindicated prophet, that God is going to come down here and it is here now. He's already appeared in our midst and he's bringing you a revelation of himself his presence, why he's here, is to prepare you to change your body, to take you out of here, and to miss the tribulation period. So the greatest climax of all of Brother Brandon's ministry, as far as I'm concerned and understand, every one of his sermons... All the miracles, first pull, second pull, opening of the words, seals, all the way up to the time that he left. That the message of the rapture was the climax of the ages. It's the chronology point of climax to the Gentile bride. Everything. The four gospels. Paul's message, the New Testament. The book of Revelation is an understanding of the picture of the rapture. Everything was leading up to this subject. And Brother Branham preached and gave us the mechanics of it and the conditions for it and what would take place in the sermon of the rapture. And that climaxed his ministry and he was taken off of the scene with the understanding that he had to decrease that this revelation of the rapture, which is the word, which is God, must in See, look at it just a little different. I've got to decrease, and he must increase. Okay? He must increase. Take all this 30 years of theology. Who is this he? He is spirit. 
He is God. He is Word. He is Holy Spirit. He is Revelation. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got to go off of the scene. My message has been delivered that brings you the revelation of Jesus Christ through seven churches. I've got to go off of the scene, the physical, that He, the revelation, the understanding of the rapture will increase in you as you keep feeding on the tree of life that's been unveiled and stands right here in your midst. Little did we understand all these years that we preached and preached and struggled and struggled. That we was absolutely fulfilling the scripture of the tree of life standing here feeding the people from it. Growing slowly by slowly, word by word, until the word now takes preeminence in us and we see ourselves in the picture of the chronology and we say we are that bride. We look in the mirror and say that's me. We have the revelation of the rapture. How did we get it? You've been feeding from the tree of life the message that was delivered by the Holy Spirit himself for this 30-something years called the perusia or the presence of God. If you fight the presence, if you fight this revelation, how can you be feeding from the tree of life that you're fighting? How come the revelation of the rapture is not permeated through every individual around the world? I've known men that can quote quotes. Brother Walt Higgins, before he left, he could quote the books almost verbatim. He was a message theologian. But he couldn't get the revelation. I just don't see what you're talking about. I just can't see it. I said, Walt is sitting right there. You quote it verbatim. Yeah, but he, he also said, yeah, I said, why are you quoting yourself out of a revelation? Brother Branham said, we'll quote over and over and over. Watch what he said. He repeats it over and over in that message. Go listen to the rapture sermon again. The bride. The rapture is a revelation to her. It's revealed to her. The revelation, the true bride of Christ will be waiting for that revelation of the rapture. She'll be waiting for that revelation of the rapture. If she's waiting for the revelation of the rapture, it had to come. And if she's waiting for it, it's now here. It's over. She's waiting for it. Are we still waiting for it? No. We have received it. We're now just catching up to where we're at. Now it is a revelation, for the revelation is faith. You cannot have a revelation without it being faith. See why he had to preach faith is, works as faith express? Go back and listen to that sermon. You can see what he's pointing to right here. Because it's something that's revealed to you. I'm asking you this morning and asking myself, has the rapture been revealed to you? Is the rapture been revealed to you? Because he said faith is something that's been revealed to you like it was to Abraham. That could call anything contrary to what had been revealed to him as though it wasn't so. He's telling you when you get the revelation of the rapture. Like he is going to bring it to you. And when it's revealed to you. That's all you will see. And no one will be able to shake you out of the understanding now of the rapture. 
This is the way that it's going to be. Okay? Now then, let's look at the condition just for no time at all. Carry on to come. I just run out of time. And everybody says, Whew, glory to God. I'm glad he's run out of time. We look at the conditions for the, of the church will have to be in for the rapture. And I'll point it out in, in the notes. I took you back to a message. To preeminence. Christ is a mystery of God. The threefold purpose of Christ now. If there's a threefold purpose of Christ, what is the threefold purpose of God? Is to bring you to, back to Eden, back to the millennium. So the threefold purpose has to deal with the rapture. If the threefold purpose of God, the end of it is to bring you back to the millennium, back to Eden again. Then the threefold purpose is a plan of God how to get you there. Number one, it says he took preeminence in Jesus the man. He come down at the river of Jordan, took preeminence in him. What does preeminence mean? The words that I speak are not my uh, words. The thoughts that I think are not my own. I don't go where I want to. I go where the Father shows me. In other words, the Spirit of God took preeminence in that man, making him the body and the manifestation of God himself. And even to the point that he said, when you see me, you see the Father. Now, you can't see the Spirit God, but you see the manifestation of him. So preeminence. Then he says what? Standing on the earth, now God in full, to die for the sin of the people that he might bring to his church a sanctified life through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus now. That he might have the preeminence and fullness in his church to manifest every promise in these last days that he promised for the last days. And the promise for the last days is what? The rapture. So one of the conditions, and we'll pick it up next week. You can skip that one if you want to because most people don't like that because that means that God's got to take control of you, and we don't like that. So you can skip that step if you like. But God has to take preeminence in you by revelation of the rapture to make you in the same state Abraham was, that you believe nothing else and will swallow nothing else. And that is a condition in the church and you and I to make us a part of the resurrection to be caught away. Amen. So when he talks about the preeminence in the church. To take you back to Eden. Take you back to the same state Adam and Eve is in. He's talking about the preeminence of a revelation. And the last one he preached was the rapture. So the rapture revelation must take preeminence in us. That that God or revelation in us can perform in our bodies what's necessary, the process, to move from mortal immortality that can take us into another dimension, escape the tribulation period, that part of it, and sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb with Jesus, the Lord that we meet in the air. See, the Lord, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, the Lord... One sitting on the throne, takes the book, 
comes down here, and that's the Lord. It said, the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout. The voice of the archangel, which is resurrection. The trump of God, which is our catching up. That part of it. And by being caught up, we shall meet the Lord. That's the one now in the physical body, Jesus, will be presented to him at the marriage supper of the Lamb as a chaste virgin bride. Jesus, a man, never comes down here until Revelation 19, after the three and a half or 1260 days, and we come back with him to smite the nations with a war and destroy them with the sword of his mouth, rule and reign with the rod of the nations, the wrath of the Almighty Lamb. We'll get into that in a later study. I'm talking about the rapture. Every condition. And there must be a, I, I couldn't, I can't see a conservative being voted in that will bring the condition. Any Democrat voted in, and, it, and that's just the way it's got to be, socialism. To bring America to the state, economically, spiritually, to fulfill the sixth seal, which brings on the rapture and the tribulation, is in this election right here. We either get a little repairy for two or three years, but you can see that spirit in the land. When an open socialist telling you that he's going to shut down your factories, he's going to shut down your car, he's going to shut down this, he's going to give everything free, free education, free medicine, free, free, free. There's nothing free in life. Free, free, free means nobody has nothing. And we'll bring our economy and bring war from Russia before we can blink an eye. It is over. This voting in the next year or two will determine whether we got a little short span of time or whether it's over. To me, it's over. I see nothing else outside of the preeminence of the revelation of the rapture taking control of you and I. Because before we get out of here, there will only be one thing on our mind, one thing in our voice, and one thing that we be praying about. Rapture. Amen. So we're going to stop right there. I'll put an invisible monetary X right there. And we'll start in our study next week. If that's all right with you. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Praise God. I'm almost on time. And uh, I, I enjoy this study because I can't go any further. I've opened up several subjects this morning. You know what happens after we come back and a millennium and that little pair in there where we burn all the swords into plowshare and how they stack up the dead and they burn for months and months and months. The smoke of the dead rises and more. All these dead bodies piled up. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a terrible place for us to come and clean up. I thought just like this house I moved to, I've been trying to clean it up ever since. Sticks here and sticks there and leaves here and leaves there. And when we come back, it's not going to come back a flowery red of, uh, roses where we just waltz out and just wander around the tulips and smell the breeze. And oh, when we, when we made it, glory to God. No, 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 it's not going to be that way. Some people said, you mean we got to work in the millennium? Yeah, you're going to have to work in the millennium. A whole thousand years? A whole thousand years. Well, uh, can I just miss that and come up somewhere else? 
Yeah, you can take the chance. You can just like a Russian roulette, put a bullet in the gun, hold the cylinder, and put it to you, and blow your brains out. If it don't shoot you, roll it again, and come up with the white throne judgment, and we'll open the books to see how good you was, and what good works you done while you was here. Now, how many thinks that you've done enough good works, and you've lived holy enough, and served your mankind enough, and never crossed, never lost your temper, and never got in trouble with your wife, never crossed, never paid, and that, oh, you're so holy that God's going to let you in. There's not a person standing here. I hope don't think that we're that holy. So that's like rushing your lid. You're going to stand there and watch your life being played over. Watch all that stupid garbage coming out of your mouth and all the sermons that you heard that you didn't believe. And you'll wonder, oh God, oh God, oh God. And you're going to condemn yourself. And what relief it will be that everybody says, I think we ought to let him in. And here comes this holy preacher. Oh, Lord, I preached and I've done this and whatever more. Oh, Lord, didn't I have a great man? I built school. And he said, depart from me, you work of iniquity. I didn't even know you. Get out of here. You said, that don't seem quite right. God's sovereign. What you need to do is get your mind out of the way and let God's mind come in and just get at peace with God's mind. Don't try to figure it out yourself. Sit and listen to God tell you. It's very easy when he tells you something. So that's right. Well, what if it puts me out? Well, repent and get back in. What are we going to sing? For you? Talk holy. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Uh, I guess my wife's gone for water baptism. Well, blessed be the name. There's a gospel part for every age, a gospel part for every age. And there's a predestinated group of people to hear that part. Mark 16 says, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. What does that mean? Jesus died on the cross? No. It means I preach to you the gospel for this hour. I preach the part that you have to believe and be baptized to be saved. I preach the part, which is the rapture, that you've got to believe and be baptized to go in the rapture. If you believe and be baptized and go in the rapture, you shall be saved or delivered from the judgment period. If you refuse, you shall be condemned. What does that mean? You're going through the tribulation to be condemned. Oh, you said, that's March 16. It's always been here. No, 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 no. March 16 come into effect at the opening of the seven seals for the bride, 
when Brother Branham preached perfect faith, showing you that he was saying, John 14, 12, he said, now Mark 16 is in effect for you that believe it. Mark 16 is this hour preaching the revelation of the rapture. That's the gospel part today. Amen. So I don't quite be led, but then believe your part and see where you end up. I don't mean that disrespectful. Every part, every group has a gospel part. I'm preaching you our part. Mark 16 today is active to our part. If you believe and baptize, you shall be delivered from the tribulation. If you don't, you will go through the tribulation. That's in English. It's just plain English. So this morning, we got a water baptism. We're a little bit late. We've got a water baptism. We're going to go ahead and dismiss. We have a word of prayer and be dismissed. We'd like for you to be a part of that. But if you've never accepted the revelation of this hour and been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins for today, to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is the revelation of the rapture today, the water's open for you that you can be a part of it. You say, well, what about from Jesus all the way 2,000 years? Do I have to get all that? All you have to get is your part. And I'm preaching your part. The only part that you can be a part of today is the revelation of the rapture. That's the only part where the blood is still speaking for the people and for the word. Everything else has been fulfilled and you can quote it by memory. It won't do you one ounce of good unless it makes what is happening to you now more clear, more active, and more and more. All this we're talking about will not do one ounce of good unless it's making what's happening to me now greater and greater and greater. Amen? So I wonder, what if people don't even know God sent Elijah? If you ask 99% of the people, are you looking for Jesus to come? They, oh, yeah, I believe Jesus is figuring to come. Jesus is figuring to come. I said, how can he come without Elijah coming first? What do you mean Elijah coming first? See, they don't even know enough about the Scripture to know that God said, I'll send Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, which is the great and dreadful day of the Lord, speaking of the rapture. Where's your Elijah? You find him, then you can find the revelation of the rapture. Because Jesus said, unless he comes, the heaven is going to hold me in heaven. Acts 3. The heavens are going to hold me until the restitution of all things, until the refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord. The proof of the Lord shall descend from heaven with a message. And Elijah will come with a rapture revelation. If you receive the prophet, you will receive the revelation. Without him, you have no hope for a rapture. He said, well, I don't believe that. Then go in the name of the Lord, have peace and mercy, and I'll see you down the road after a thousand years, and I will be there one morning and remind you that I preached to you and told you exactly what you had to have to be a part of sitting there judging. You will be without excuse. That's how close. It is over. You said, can I get in? If you'll come in to the revelation of the rapture, 
be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for remission of your sins, you can be a part of the rapture. Amen. So let's have a word of prayer and we can be dismissed. Father, we thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for every soul that you put in this building. Now we're thanking you for those you have gathered. And we know by your spirit you have spoken to every heart and every mind. And you challenge our thinking, but it is true. I pray that every predestinated soul in here that belongs to you, that you will quicken their spirit and mind to understand what you are saying to them by the spirit. They can recognize their part and what this season is and where we stand in time and the order and the chronology of this process. May they accept the revealed word of God, which is you in our presence, to be a part of this great catching away. Grant this blessing to each one that you have promised and every name that is on the book, we know we'll hear it and receive it. We thank you for this great predestinated plan and thank you for your grace in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.